0: And good morning and welcome to the Art of Service Live. It is Thursday morning, the 25th of August, 8 o'clock in the morning, which means Andy in Texas, it is Wednesday the 24th. Uh, five,
1: five, 5 o'clock p.m. p.m. <laughs> yeah.
0: Excellent. So Andy Meadows is my victim for today, uh, my guest for this LinkedIn Live um, live chat. Um, I think, and Andy, we met each other through um, EMP, but I'm not 100% sure, to be honest, because maybe we've met before that even, but it's definitely through Entrepreneurs' Organization that um, that we uh, met. So I always think of you as Andy, the person, Andy, um, the, the entrepreneur. But when you meet new people, Andy, um, yes, I can say you're the owner and founder of Blink, but we'll talk about that later. But how do you introduce yourself
1: normally? Um, well, so um, from a professional perspective, um, I usually tell people we make short links for big companies. So that's what Blink does. I want to talk about mm-hmm. myself personally. Um, I've been married for 25 years. I've got five kids and I live in Texas. Uh, so most of my life revolves around family and uh, taking care of them. And um, a lot of our activities are, are all family based. So uh, it kind of depends on uh, on the setting. But yeah, it's always busy times <laughs> on both sides.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, uh, I'm the family because you are a massive, big family, man. And I met your beautiful family. You have some amazing kids. Five of them, which I think is f- fabulous in itself, like to, to be a family man while growing your business. So let's start there because obviously your family is very important to you. How do you combine being a loving father, spending quality time with your, with your five children and run the business? How do you do that?
1: Uh, well, I think... The reality is that both sides uh, are—they're both 24-hour jobs. Um, So uh, there are times when you're up at three o'clock in the morning with the family, and sometimes you're up at three o'clock in the morning with the business. Um, Mm. So to me, it's—it's really—it's very much about balance, but it's not so much an equal balance. It's just more about knowing that there are cycles of the day, cycles of the month, uh, cycles of the year, and sometimes in multiple years where. some will require more time than others. And so there have been, yeah. been years where the family required more time and then years where the business required more time. Yeah. Um, and it kind of ebbs and flows. And so a lot of it boils down to having a, a great and understanding wife who uh, very much takes care of things when when I'm not uh, around or when I'm, I'm focused on the business. Um, and then she also knows that uh, she can count on me that you know, when there are times when she needs, then she can pull me and the business is going to have to wait. And uh, yeah. it's on the family. So it's... Again, it's, it's balance, but it's not, a, it's not an equal balance. It's just knowing that uh, there's this pendulum that goes back and forth.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's an interesting, because when we think about work-life balance, you, you often sort of think, okay, I've got 100% of my day. I spend so many hours on work, so many hours sleeping, so many hours on the, on the family, so many hours on the kids, so many hours on me. Um, but mm-hmm. what you're saying is that there are certain times in the day, week, month, the year, decade, that you just need to focus more on one thing um, or another. So um, how did you come to that decision or how did you come to that realization?
1: Um, it's, so th- there's a journey to it, for sure. Um, I feel that going back and being honest with myself, the, uh, the retrospective would be that um, in the earlier parts of my, my professional life, it was very much about the business. I was always at the functions for the family. Uh, anytime there was something important, I was there never missed uh, many games and things like that. There's always some things, but um, there were times when there were sacrifices. I remember being at one of our, our EMP events uh, during my first time I missed one of my daughter's birthdays. Um, and so that was a, a big a big event for me, uh, just knowing mm. that I wasn't there at a family function. And so there were a lot of times where I was traveling a lot, and so I wasn't home as much. And I didn't realize the impact that that had until much later uh, when I realized how much I, not so much how much I had missed, but... Mm what the impact of my travel and impact of my, uh, those activities really had on my family.
0: yeah. And
1: so um, then it kind of swung the other direction, where it was very much around the family. And um, my wife had, a, had a, a big surgery. And so it was really about taking care of her and her recovery and, and being there. And so I was able to, to shift that pendulum back to other direction. Um, and then now, as things have gone back to really more, uh, much busier from a work perspective, mm-hmm. um, we've gone together, we've gone back about it a different way where there is definitely a balance and it's understanding the priorities and knowing that everybody has to everybody's very much aware and it it helps you know of course our kids are older now too so that definitely Mm. helps Uh, but my wife uh, she has this saying that uh, i constantly try to remember is basically life is life is defined not by the hours you spend but by the moments that you make and Mm. so a lot of times it's not how many hours i spend with my children but am i there for those key moments do we make those key moments together and do we have those those activities that we do together that really are the memories that you'll remember for a lifetime?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, we all have 2020 hindsight. So looking back at young Andy, um, yes. just starting out with uh, with business, um, is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now?
1: Oh yes, there's hundreds of things. <laughs> <laughs> um I'd say to, probably to to sum it up, I wasted a lot of time uh, doing a lot of things that that ultimately didn't get me where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, younger me, I would tell them to prioritize things more, uh, to be more more disciplined about uh, what it is that I wanted and the path that was going to get there. Uh, I think I took a lot of a lot of uh, side streets, and a lot of uh, twisty journeys to to get to a destination. And I think there are ways that uh, could have been faster. Of course, you never know because mm-hmm. history is history, but um, it feels in so hindsight I, that I spend a lot of time.
0: How do you do that prioritization? Because it's you know easy to say now, like, okay, I should have prioritized. I should have taken a straighter road to where I wanted to be. Um, but how do you do that? How do you how do you make those? Because isn't part of the Andy you've become now because of the diversions and the touristic routes that you've taken? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's true. It's, um, it's one of those things, you, your experience comes from, from lessons, lessons you make, lessons you observe from others. Um, so I definitely made my, my number of mistakes and I've definitely learned from those. Uh, so you could say that they, you know, they have formed who I am. And so as, you know, as I, you know, my, my oldest daughter is going off to college. And so as I've explained to her, um, part of it is as you do make these mistakes, you have this maturity that you have figured out by understanding what you like and don't like, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do.
0: Um, and really, where
1: you where you choose to focus your your efforts and energy. So for me, um, having the you know having those experiences are, impo- are important, but really understanding what uh, you know the, the different methodologies of of how you focus on what's most important to you, mm-hmm. um, and really evaluating that on a regular basis. And so I think a lot of times you, know, you think that I'm going to do A because A will lead me to B, but a lot of times it's it's really not the case. And knowing when to pull the plug. Um. And so I think that sometimes you, you spend too long chasing something and realize that that was mm-hmm. not the right thing chasing after all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a rabbit hole to go into, isn't it? And it's so difficult to pull yourself out of there and, and go like, no, this is, this is not helpful. This isn't, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And sometimes you, I, I find, you know, you dig a hole that uh, you really can't stop. You have an obligation to get to a certain point. So I have to you mm-hmm. know, follow through on that commitment but I recognize okay, that that's a commitment I'm not going to make anymore.
0: That's yeah. uh, something
1: I'll learn from and kind of add that to the list.
0: Yeah. So tell me more about Blink. Tell me more about the business that you've created now, because this is not an overnight success. You've been working and chipping away at it for a long, long time. So how did it start? Um, just explain the journey. Sure.
1: Yeah, so um, when we first met, I actually had um, a, a services company. So we built software for other people. Um, and part of that process was to create a product for ourselves, and so we did. Um, that product at the time was called Bud URL, and so we created that. And then we uh, we also had a hosting company, so these three separate products mm. all lived underneath the same roof, um, used the same people, the same resources, and so forth. But we realized that there were different trajectories. And so one of the things that EMP taught me was how to focus that and how to how to align again that direction I wanted to get to. So over time, we ended up uh, we sold off uh, the hosting company, we shut down the services company, we focused on the product. Um, and so really we doubled down on the product side of things uh, and really focused all of our efforts on that and ultimately ended up selling the business uh, to another company um, and then that was about five years ago and so worked for them for a few years and then ended up buying it back uh, almost two years ago so uh, in that process so i you know started it sold it bought it back and now we're we're running it again mm.
0: Um, yeah let, 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 so let's wind, wind back a little bit, because you sort of glance over that. so sort of like yeah, they this and this and this and this and this. Uh, <laughs> let's step back. <laughs> you sold your hosting company, which in, it, in itself is a big a big thing, to identify we need to cut up the business and and only focus on on the product. So let's start there. Um, what made you realize that that's the way forward?
1: I realized um, as we were looking at what's the the end game, what is the exit potential for each of these? Where are they going to go as they grow up and evolve? And I realized that each one had a different outcome. There were different paths and all the paths were fine, but each one was gonna have a different direction. And so we took the time and effort to split them up financially, split them up legally and, and really have three separate entities so that they could all move and evolve on their own. And so that really helped tremendously when we got to that point where, when we found a buyer for the hosting company, we had it buttoned up, ready to go, and it was a nice package we could hand off. Yeah. Uh, when it came down to winding down the services company, we you know, we wrapped up our, our jobs, we handed it off to somebody else who took the customers and, and kept moving. Um. So that was that trajectory in the business, the the product side, um, because again, it was standalone at that time, it could move on its own, and so it did. Um. So really, just having that understanding where we wanted to get to and knowing that mm-hmm. uh, we really things we could do now to get us there smoother and, la- and later yeah. on in time. So get. then,
0: why did you decide to sell the product business? Because um, having a product business sounds like almost, like, I know it sounds really crass, but almost like a license to print money. Like you've made a product, people buy it. It's, you know, it just keeps going and going and going. So it, it, it seems like the goose with the golden egg. So why did you sell it at that time?
1: So we were actually, uh, we didn't try to sell it. It just kind of fell into our laps. At the time, we were actually looking at raising money. Um, and so we were talking to investors and, and meeting with different folks. Um, and along that process, somebody happened to reach out and, and ask if we were inter- interested in selling. And so we evaluated again, you know, we, we raise money. Here's that trajectory. We, we sell the business. Here's that trajectory. Again, looking at that end game. And so when we looked at the, you know, what, what's the base of the risk versus reward, what's the timeline that, that's involved? Uh, what is it going to require from us uh, individually? And so ultimately we made the decision that the, the best route for us was to take the exit and to go ahead and sell at that point. As opposed to raising money and moving down that path yeah and so ultimately that's that's what we did
0: yeah and what did the company look like at the time that you that you sold it
1: um so we we had a uh, pretty good growth we were a small team of about uh probably 10 or 12 people um but uh again from that standpoint we were we were looking at what is that trajectory of, of opportunity at the time, um, our business and our, our market has evolved quite a bit over the last five years. And so at the time, it felt kind of stagnant. We weren't quite sure exactly what the right path was, what the differentiation was, how we were going to grow up and evolve. We were kind of in that, what I call the adolescent stage. And so that uh, you know, there's different ways you can grow up. And so we were looking at, okay, how, what are we going to look like when we grow up? And at that time, we didn't know. We were we were too immature. And so five years later, we now know very much who we are, what we've become, where we want to go. And, and so that's just that part of that process. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then and then you sell, but you also sell yourself. So you had to stay on the business as part of the, um, the payout.
1: Yes. Yeah. So uh, I had an obligation to stay for one year um, and I, I liked the company. They were nice people. Everything was going well. So I stuck around um, and, mm. and thankfully I did. So I uh, ended up working for them for three years. Uh, and and shortly after we got acquired, they were, became, they were actually acquired. And so the strategy changed. And so the direction that we were intending to go didn't work out. Uh, mm-hmm. They we kind of got uh, set to the side while they while the new owners kind of went a different direction. And so over time, we realized that, again, kind of playing it out, what does the end look like for us? Uh, we realized that the end there was not going to be ideal. And so we talked to them about, you know, basically, let's, let's find a new home for Blink. Yeah. Um, and so at that time, it was, you know, find somebody else to buy it. Uh, sell it to me and, and so forth. And so ultimately, we ended up buying it back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 what was that like, that interim period? Because that sounds to me like a really difficult position to be in um, going from growing, selling, splitting up, you know, being very entrepreneurial, very strategic to becoming an employee, basically, of the business. I mean, you obviously enjoyed it to the extent that. You stayed for three years. Um, how was that transition? Cause I'm just curious what that's like. Because you know how people always say, like, oh, I could never work for a boss, and I just go like BS. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that like for you?
1: Um, it was the most comfortable I'd been in in years and also the most frustrating. Uh, okay. it was it was difficult. I'm not gonna lie, it was it was definitely a challenge for me mentally and emotionally to transition from a boss to employee, because uh, there, are, there are differences. Uh, the people I worked with, they were great. I loved my boss. I loved the company. They were nice people, uh, incredibly intelligent. It was amazing having resources, people that were excellent at what they did that could come in and provide their, their point of view. So that was fantastic. Uh, but I also felt very different in the standpoint that I was no longer able to call the shots. We couldn't move mm-hmm. the direction I wanted to, when we wanted to, how we wanted to. Um, so it's great to have that extra infrastructure but it was also, uh, as as my wife said, I've never seen you more unhappy than you were. Um, it's not that I was overworked or or uh, uh, it was a it was a bad job. It's just it wasn't the job that I had been used to doing, and so it was it was yeah. different. It was, it was very difficult for me. It's kind of the you know the square peg in the round hole. I was trying to fit in and and really struggled with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense, yeah. and especially the um the 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 fact that you can't be as strategic and as quick as you as you want to be and you always have to ask other people for for permission to to make your moves so because um, yeah. i mean that's what i'm I'm envisioning to be the hardest part of stepping into that employee no, uh, role where you go like um you can't just say like oh let's turn left just you know see where we end up um right. yeah because <laughs> yes, it's no longer it's, uh, your money <laughs>
1: yeah exactly it's, you know to me that uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneurism is really a series of, of continual experiments and so uh, not being able to have that freedom to experiment is is a bit of a challenge sometimes and so having yeah. that environment where you can be creative and a little bit reckless within reason um, to try things and identify what fits and what doesn't and, uh, yeah. to me that really helps you uncover those new opportunities that were, were not there before
0: yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Totally. Hey, this is probably a really good time to sort of step into the, the compliance and risk management component because, you know, like we said earlier um, or before we started uh, the live streaming, um, our business out of service has made a major evolution in the past 22 years as well. So what we're really focusing on is to give our clients control over their risk management and uh, compliance issues rather than be controlling and, you know, be that consultant that does everything for them. So from your point of view, focusing on compliance and risk management and being in control of those processes and the technology and everything around that, how did that focus change from being the owner, founder, entrepreneur to being... The employee, or did it not change at all?
1: No, it, it definitely changed. There's there's a uh, there's a, a load that you carry. There's a burden that you carry. Um, so ultimately, uh, that that responsibility stops with me. So it's no matter what anybody else does, even if they're doing everything the right way, um, if there's ever an issue, it's it's ultimately my responsibility. So I, I definitely feel that um, because we work with with very large companies, uh, compliance is a huge component of that. And so making sure that we're following the right processes, we know that they have their process that they have to follow. And so we as become an extension of their company. And so we have to do what we need to do to make sure that they are compliant as well. So it's a, it's a massive piece for our business.
0: Yeah. and But that doesn't change whether you're an employee or the owner, apart from the ultimate accountability. But the focus doesn't change. You're still swiveling head on the stick, figuring out where, <laughs> where the bear is coming from. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's really, it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't diminish anything. It doesn't, you know, there's not a job that gets removed. There's still responsibility. If anything, it's it's extra plates to spend uh, because I can't point at somebody else and say that's their job. Uh, it's, again, it's ultimately my job to make sure it gets done. So um, it's still, you know, had to get done before. It has to get done now. And and compliance is, as you well know, um, it's something that's ever-changing and constantly evolving. And com- And there's, there's always bad guys trying to do bad things, and so you always have to stay a step ahead. And so it's it's never you can really never let your guard down. And it's and being being in that mode all the time uh, can be very stressful. So having yeah. the right services and tools is, is really important.
0: Yeah, and and how did your compliance focus change from the moment you've decided to sell the hosting, split up, um, sell um, what now it turned into Blink? Um, how did compliance become more of an, or did it become more of an issue rather than business as usual? We're just running, running the company.
1: Yeah. um, Being an employee somewhere, it's, you know, these are the tools that I've been given. And so I, I had to work with, I had the tools that I had in my tool belt. And so from a compliance standpoint, um, I didn't really have much authority to enact any kind of uh, controls or processes um, and you know, not that they were, they were bad, but if we needed to do something a certain way, I could ask for it, but it wasn't my responsibility or, or uh, I didn't have the authority to make sure it happened. And so mm-hmm. now, as, as our customers are requiring us to be compliant in certain ways and meet certain standards and processes, uh, we have to make sure that we are continually on our toes, that we're doing the right things uh, so that we're following those guidelines. Because ultimately, as we're serving these organizations, their compliance standards are growing every single day to try to keep their customers safe. And so, as I said, we, you know, we become an extension of that. And so it's, it is a constant uh, activity that we're always looking at.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's become part and parcel of running a business, isn't it? You, you cannot run a business without being aware of risks, compliance, all those standards, rules, processes, etc. So it's, um, it's yeah, business 101. <laughs>
1: yeah, from my perspective, it's, it's, even more critical. You think about, you know, HR, as I grow the company, I need to add people. and so I need HR functions. And um, ultimately from a compliance standpoint, before you hire the first person, you must have certain controls in place. There must be certain aspects of that. It has to be something that's ingrained in the culture from the very beginning. Uh, and that's difficult because uh, yeah. it is, said, there are extra hurdles to jump through.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of um, hurdles you had to jump through, you bought back. Obviously, that's not something you decide overnight. Um, Tell me more about that process, (laughs) because the moment I mentioned that, you took a deep breath. So (laughs) I'm sure there's a story there. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's um, when the first time the opportunity presented itself, uh, I was apprehensive. I really wasn't sure if I wanted to buy a bag. Not that I I was down on the business at all, but uh, the question of is did I want to step back in that role? And so uh, the first person I talked to about it was my wife. And she said, well, of course you do. That's, you know, why are you asking me? Why isn't this done already? Um, you know, her her encouragement was was tremendous. And that was a huge aspect of that, is just knowing that um, she was willing to get back on that bus. Having been off of the bus for a while, she was willing to get back onto it. And not only that, but she was willing to put gas in there and, and push to get it going. Um, so that was tremendously helpful. And then the second thing was was our team, making sure that, uh, we had the right people that were were willing and able to come along for the ride. Uh, my co-founder, making sure that that he was willing to to go back into it. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of given that point, he was still there as well. And so uh, making sure that he was on board, um, you know, it's one of those things. It, uh, it couldn't be done without both of us. And so mm-hmm. making sure that he was as committed as I am was, was a key part of that. And so once we had that commitment, uh, then it was a matter of logistics. You know, how do we get it done? But knowing that we were both as excited about the business as we'd ever been, um, it's just a matter of are we excited about being back in the driver's seat? And so once yeah. I realized that we actually both were, then uh, it was really, you know, how do we get going?
0: Yeah. That's so exciting. <laughs> and how did you how do you run the business differently now than from what you did before? What what changes have you made in Blink
1: 2.0? Yeah, so we've been able to evolve the product in a way that, as I mentioned before, <laughs> We were kind of in that adolescent stage. We didn't really know where we were going, what we wanted to be when we grow up. Um, And our product has continued to evolve and and really become different than our competitors. And so there's only a few people that play in in the realm that we do. There's dozens of link shorteners and that kind of thing. But when you get into the enterprise link management space, uh, there's very few people that that play there. And so our product has been able to evolve into new areas, uh, new features, new functions. Again, looking at an enterprise, looking at governance and compliance and making sure that we can help them, that our product can actually help them get their job done as opposed to adding more to their their plate. Uh, So that's been a big aspect of it uh, and also being able to roll out uh, new products. Uh, So we've got a new product coming out later this year and uh, that's uh, available completely because we were able to, to talk to customers, listen to the market, identify that there was a gap and then put the resources behind it. And so being able to move quickly Um, You know, those opportunities came very quickly. We had, you know, days in order to figure it out. And and so we were able to make it happen. So that kind of thing, it's really uh, being able to move that quickly and be that nimble is something that uh, we didn't have before. And today it's really been a defining factor for our success. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Can't wait. Um, So the nimbleness, is is, is that a word? (laughs) (laughs) Being nimble. (laughs) How did you create that like did you employ all your previous team members back into the business um have you made changes in the 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 the, the processes and the systems that you use to run the operations of the business um how how did you set it up basically 2.0 how did how did you do that and how did you what what changes did you make
1: yeah i think um First and foremost is making sure that everybody was on on the bus. Um, you know that everybody not only are they in the right seat on the bus, but they have to be excited about being on the bus. That they're committed to that. And so, yeah. uh, as we were starting this out and explaining, here's where we want to go. Here's what we want to do. We knew that as a small team getting started uh, with where we were, we needed to make sure everybody was committed to that. And so, um, we did. You know, we had those conversations. We made sure everybody was excited about it. Um, and we try to communicate as much as we can with all the changes that are happening as quickly as they are. In some ways, we have we have truly grown up and matured a bit in terms of documentation and process. There's clearly a long ways to go, as everybody there's always miles to to go. Uh, But we try to to do things in a way that will be more scalable in the future as we continue to grow, uh, that we can grow gracefully. Um, It is uh, every day is is uh, is challenging. There's always uh, you know a lot of things going on every single day. Uh, They're definitely not boring. uh, Certainly Uh not quiet. Uh, but making sure that we're we're working together in a very cohesive way there's not uh there's no that's not my job or I can't help with that it's you know we're truly all trying to get everything done and keep the customers happy at every point yeah so that's that's probably first and foremost is, is, yeah. is all about the people
0: yeah and 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 with those t- people with that team, what is the thing that you're most proud of in in you know let's just focus on blink on on what you have now um mm-hmm. What change did you make with your team that you go like I did not expect I, I just didn't even think that was possible I'm so proud of this
1: um, honestly I really feel like what's one of the things that is great about our team is that um, there's never a question of is is something going to get done or is it possible or is somebody going to get their job done There's very much a, a reliance on if somebody says they will do it it'll get done and there's comfort and confidence in knowing. That, that person not only knows what their job is but they're they're capable willing and eager to do it and so there's there's a piece that i have in knowing that if i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing they're going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing and ultimately that leads us in the right direction so yeah. uh, that's that there's great piece in that and uh, definitely a great opportunity in that as well
0: yeah and how did you create that like if if you had to explain that to a group of accelerators like how do you how do you explain how did you create that that peace um, of mind and 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 that team. What's this? Yeah, mean, <laughs> so, oh,
1: I wish I could tell you it's on chapter eight of some book and just go follow that. But uh, the reality is, I think it's a combination of of finding the right people. It's there's there's a certain mindset of somebody who is is really in it. Uh, they're they're here. They're willing to show up, um, and not because they're looking to collect a paycheck, but they look they're they're showing up because they like who they work with. They like how they do things. They like the way they do things, um, and, and ultimate what we're trying to work on. And so I think that's a part of it, is, is knowing how to find those people. And and so the key thing of, of hiring is, is so critical, because uh, it's so easy to, to derail that. Um, and then I think the other aspect of that is, is modeling, um, really trying to make sure that uh, you know I'm the, I'm the one, if, if I'm not doing my job, I don't expect them to the, do their job. Hmm. And so I really try to to be the person that I want everyone else to be, hoping that by setting that example that uh, they will follow my lead and at the same time show me where I'm falling short and
0: yeah. help me
1: to become the better person that I can be. So there's a definitely, there's not only a that give and take, but it's really that uh, the modeling and the mirroring of of watching and seeing from each other and, and being open to learning from each other as well. Uh, there's definitely not a, I don't think I have all the answers and uh, I certainly, you know, learn from them every single day.
0: Hmm. No. So do you feel that your um, experience as being a father of five, um, that those experiences translate into running a business of, what did you say, 20 or something now at the moment?
1: Uh, there's, there's only about a, a dozen total of uh, people that no. uh, work on Blank. So yeah, but uh, for, yeah, so from a family aspect, for sure, I think it's actually harder to, for the family. Um, you know, the kids have to do what I say because they, because I'm, the, I'm the dad. Um, mm. But with the team, they don't have to do what I say. They have the option of, of walking away, whereas my kids don't. Uh, but uh, there's definitely- yeah, but
0: the, the reason why I'm picking that up is um, you have female teenagers and college age kids. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering if they really do everything you say and if that experience of managing them through their life and through their journey has taught you to become the leader that you are in the business.
1: Yeah, I would imagine if somebody were to look into it, they they would probably probably extract something like that. But I, I do feel, you know, my, my kids, when I think about, um, when I see who they are and who they're becoming, they are – they're fantastic. You know, They don't fight. You know, they, they bicker a little bit, but uh, they don't fight like I did with my sisters. Um, they, they really work together uh, and they are growing up together. And so there's, a, there's that process of keeping them very much on the rails at a, at a certain point in their, in their life and then knowing that they have seen the behavior, they've seen it modeled, they've had that, those expectations. Um, and they are very high expectations here. Um, however, uh, there's also that freedom and autonomy to be who you are and mm. so as, as my oldest goes off to college, I have very little concern from the standpoint of knowing how she will behave in certain environments because I know who she is. And so yeah. I really feel confident that she knows who she is as well. Mm. Uh, so it's it's that. It's, it's one of those. I'm, I'm very proud of that aspect from the standpoint that my wife and I have very much been on the same page as far as how the kids grow up what the expectations are, what the rails look like and the, you know, the, the bumpers and bowling, um, you know, you can, as long as you're going down the alley, it's it's fine. Yeah. But uh, There's definitely the bumpers that are there for yeah. a while.
0: Yeah. But, um, but it it is interesting because you're using the same kind of words. So like it's, you know, it's the modeling behavior, like, you know, showing the, the behavior that you want in their life, but also in your business life. It's um, being very proud of, who you have on your team because you know your eyes lit up when you started talking about your team as well um it's it's very much the high standards that you um that you have both for your for your kids but also for your team members i'm, I'm seeing some parallels here <laughs> sure.
1: For sure yeah and the <laughs> correlator to that there's definitely times where i i hear something or see something my daughter is doing and i'm like oh that's definitely me I, that's exactly what i said yesterday um, mm, and now i know not to say that anymore or yeah. know like, oh, i can see that i can see my behavior coming out in them and so it, it encourages me to change my own behavior so again that yeah. standpoint of learning from them as much as they're learning from me for yeah,
0: sure it's confronting isn't it <laughs> uh, <for sure. laughs> very scary very very scary so um you said this with blink like Back to, the, back to the business with Blink, he said um, it's enterprise link management or it's enterprise link shortening. So it's like the, the Bitly, but then for grown-up businesses. Um, and it's there's not a lot of competition. So how do you grow? Are you, are you building the demand? Are you creating the demand? Um, what's next for Blink, I suppose, is the question.
1: Yeah, so from our standpoint, we have have always believed that um, that what we do is is a common part of every organization, that we're just something that every company of any size uh, really has to have in their stack at some stage of of their evolution. Um, And so really for us, it's very much a long game. It's being in the game uh, for the long run. Um, And so what we found is that uh, as customers have realized this over time, they're starting to look for who are the organizations that they can go to that can meet their needs, their needs from compliance, from procurement, from billing, and how we work with their governance teams and, and so forth. And so um, when you look at a link shortener, there's, again, there's dozens of link shorteners they um, there, you know, the prices range all over the, the book, but um, when it gets into what an enterprise organization is looking for, what's most important to them. And sometimes it's, it's less about the features and more about how those features are executed. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also approaching their business and their needs, not from a, here's our widget, our widget fits over here, but more from a a consultative approach that says, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Let me make sure I can solve that in the most meaningful way possible. And sometimes that is, we've already solved it and it's a matter of implementing our our product. In other cases, it's about our product evolving to meet their needs. And uh, what we ultimately find is that when one organization has a need, we find that other organizations have that exact same need. Sometimes they have it right now, sometimes they have it in a few months or a few years, but we've yet to meet a company that said that they needed a particular feature and they were the only one that was ever going to need that. And so when they start looking at who else offers this, uh, the more that we create, ultimately we, there's fewer and fewer organizations that can serve those customers. Yeah. And so yeah. Much being there when they're ready for you.
0: Yeah. So there's, this there's really this, this, this customer focus and, and constant asking and, and identifying changing, growing needs and, and stepping into that, into that gap. So that's yeah, absolutely
1: um, never being uh, content to rest on your laurels and say well this is the widget we have and you either like it or you don't and if you don't like mm-hmm. it then good luck so yeah it's the opposite it's very much what is it you're trying to do and let me either show you how we can do it or let us try if, if it makes sense let us evolve to, to be that solution for you
0: yeah yeah that's fantastic and and just you know, just in case somebody's listening to this or watching this and think like, why on earth do I need a link shortener? Why on earth do we need a link shortener? What's what's the benefit of it?
1: Yeah, so um, somebody uh, once told me that the reality is that the problems that we solve, we just happen to do it with short links. You could do it with different things, but um, a lot of people don't realize that the answer to a lot of the things that they're trying to do is a short link company, or in this case, again, like we we call it link management, Because ultimately, when you think about it, our customers spend millions of dollars creating these assets and resources and destinations. And they spend millions of dollars trying to create these audiences. Ultimately, they're trying to connect those two together. And what ends up connecting them is ultimately a link. And so that link can be accessed through a QR code, through a text message, through a browser, uh, through uh, a beacon or through uh, any kind of wireless technology. But ultimately, it's that URL that connects those together. And when you start looking at URLs, you realize that the best URLs are those that have attribution and tracking and insight and campaign details but adding all that into that link becomes very unwieldy very large uh, and very complicated and very fragile but when you're able to take that and wrap that in that perfect branded short link then suddenly you have all the insight all the analytics all the details in a compliant structured managed and organized manner that suddenly when everybody in the organization is using the same system to create those connections Then there's a a great uh, ability to align that and get tremendous value from that, not only from a from a a business standpoint, but from analytics and resources and and organization.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's it it's really to help with the marketing and and connecting with customers, so that you don't have that paragraph long um, URL with all the (laughs) all the gold.
1: Yeah, the the best way to think about it to to you know I answered your question in a paragraph to answer it in a sentence is the best links are short and uh, in order memorable. to when you click on that yeah short and memorable and so when you click on that to expand that into all the data that the, that the enterprise is looking for we make that happen
0: yeah yeah well, that's
1: the that's the key part
0: yeah so so what's the future for this this technology because I mean there's there's so much changing in um, well, internet world, um, there's the, and it, it it's just seems to be going in, in multiple, multiple directions. So get your crystal ball out. Where's the future going? Yeah.
1: So for us, what, what we see is the number of people that are creating branded short links are, are increasing tremendously. If you think about the touch points, every organization wants more touch points with their customers, more touch points with the, the consumer. And in order to do that, again, that's more and more links. And so, again, whether that's integrating or interacting through product packaging or signage, it's all about that interaction. And so, from our standpoint, we look at what are all the different ways that people want to connect? How do they want to do that? And they need something that can scale immensely with you know, tremendous uh, size and speed, creating millions of links in a matter of seconds. Um, and doing that in enterprise scale is, is critical. So, when you start looking at these companies that invest heavily in things like Salesforce or um, in their uh, marketing platform, like with Adobe, and so looking at those those footprints that they have, it's really about being part of that ecosystem, that part of that that enterprise stack. And so we look at how do we play in that, how do we help more people in that organization create that perfect link?
0: Yeah, yeah. and it's it's about the clarity that you that you give them. So it's it's everybody using the same the same system.
1: Yes, exactly. It goes back to the you know when everybody's on the same bus doing the same thing the same way, you take uh we've had companies that have come to us where they'll have you know uh, 200 different departments that are using individual accounts with different link shorteners and they're all over the map they're unmanaged they can't manage them there's no governance to them and Mm. so when they unify all that together underneath one platform suddenly everyone knows what everybody's working on they can learn from each other they have best practices they can compare analytics together because they're all using the same tool with the same vision
0: yeah yeah so from a from a more what is a mate? I don't want to use the word meta but it, it's a, like from from a bigger bigger picture because a lot of these links are used for for marketing what is the trend that you're seeing um, from a marketing point of view what is it more uh, links used for sms marketing are links more used towards qr codes are links more you is email still a big thing like what what are you seeing Um, at a macro, that's the word I was looking for, at a a macro level.
1: Yes, Uh, so email is definitely still being used. I kind of equate it to to television and advertising. You think, okay, well, television is going away because of the digital advertising, and really television has never been any bigger. So email is still definitely a component of that, and and Blink definitely uh, plays a role in email marketing. But uh, some of the newer trends are really uh, SMS and QR codes, Uh, tremendously popular lately. Uh, Those are probably two of the biggest growing segments for us. Uh, On the QR code side, it's a lot of it is dynamic, being able to have a single QR code that can change dynamically based on which country you're in or which language you speak. And so having that single entry point that goes to multiple destinations is is a a component of our platform and something that our customers are adopting adopting rapidly. Um, On the SMS side, it's really much more about that one-to-one communication. Instead of, you know, if I've got 100,000 people on my, my marketing list through SMS, I could send them all the same link, or I could send 100,000 different links, and mm-hmm. I can know exactly who clicked, when they clicked, where they clicked, how many times they clicked, uh, and then ultimately, if they engaged, if they converted, and so forth. And so when you empower these companies to suddenly say, well, instead of sending one link to your entire mailing list, why don't you send everyone their own personal link? Suddenly, this becomes a game changer, because they're used to doing that from an email perspective, but they haven't been able to do that from an SMS perspective very well, mm-hmm. at least not in a branded way. And so once they can see this branded environment where they can see that perfect link with their brand on it and Mm -hmm. something unique for every recipient, their eyes light up and it's like Christmas for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And is, is that also because then you, you go back to that, you know, zero party data that you're getting from um, from your direct SMS people um, that you really can identify who's interested in certain, certain components of our, of our marketing. Because, That part has changed so much, hasn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah, data privacy is still tremendously important. Um, And so companies, when they look at those touch points, used to be I could go out and I would just buy data from someone. Oh, somebody's going to aggregate this, or I can use third-party cookies and so forth. And these days, um, it's very much different where companies have to create their own touch points, have to create their own data. And so by doing all this one-to-one marketing, they are collecting it, but they're doing it in a way where, A, they're responsible for it. Uh, but then also, B, they're they're able to do it in a way that um, allows them to, to really learn without having to go through and, and kind of wade through the, the trash that they might have picked up along the way, because it's truly about their customer and their engagement. So yeah. building that relationship with the customer is still critical, but these companies are looking at how can we do that more and more together with our own data, as opposed to relying on others.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and. You do this for your clients, but then for your own marketing, how, how has your own marketing changed in the last five years? And what's the future of your your marketing approach, inbound yeah. or outbound?
1: Yeah, so from our standpoint, um, I've said we've gone from nothing, uh, having no marketing, um, into you know, creating what we what we look to be the ideal marketing solution for us. Ultimately, our standpoint is it's very much around creating the right content that we can educate the audience and looking at that inbound strategy of creating the content that will answer the questions. And again, looking at creating that, that level of expertise that when they realize, okay, well, here's blank. They've been in the market for 15 years. They know exactly what our problems are. They have dozens of customers that are all in the same problem that they've solved it for and they've kept them all for, for years and years. Uh, they start realizing that, okay, well, here is the, here's the, the uh, link of record and I want that organization to be part of our system to help us implement the right solution there so really for us marketing is about content creation and making sure that uh, we're creating that right level of expertise in the eyes of our customers
0: yeah yeah so it's it's building that authority that you know what you're talking about and you're the trusted advisor and the trusted um partner that that's that's the main focus am i saying that correct
1: absolutely yeah, you nailed it yeah
0: <laughs> nailed it <laughs> good job so then um like I said before, we we went we went live. Like, we're, it's been ten years since, or um, well, next year will be ten years since we finished our entrepreneurial master's program. Um, a lot has changed in the in the last ten years, especially for you. You know, buying, selling, employing, being the employee. You know, that it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, the next ten years, where do you um, where do you see yourself going? You you personally, you Andy. Like not you, the business, but you.
1: For me, um, I'm at the stage, uh, we talked uh, briefly earlier about you know the the, the timeline of life um, and mm-hmm. kind of where we are. And so as I've, over the last 10 years, evolved, you know, I feel like I'm on the other side of the spectrum. And so for me, a lot of it's really looking at, uh, as we talked before about with business, wanting to look at what is the end game, what I want to end up somewhere down the road. And so... Uh, I'm very much spending time thinking about where do I want to end up. What's the right path that's going to get me to where I want to be? And so part of it is really figuring out what do I want my life to look like ten years from now. Uh, what does you know what does work look like? I don't uh, I don't anticipate retirement as something that I'll will uh, do or enjoy. So it's really what I want my life to look like. And so how do I want to get to that point? And what are the steps that I need to take now to get there? Uh, mm. How do I make sure that my kids get there that you know that they're where they want to go and that, I'm helping them along the way. And then how do I make sure my wife is where she wants to get to? And so it's really, as we look at how we have gotten to where we are today, um, being able to continually refine that to to get better, uh, to get rid of the things that we don't like and and add more of what we do. And so it's it's, it's constant, constant check-in of knowing, am I going the right direction based on um, uh, what makes a good life for me?
0: Yeah. And, and I'm assuming that that's more than just ticking off things off a bucket list.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's uh, again, it's, it goes back to those, those moments. Um, it's, it's really about having the opportunity and the time to, to create those moments mm. uh, to not feel that you're, you're stuck or that I'm going to end up the same place that I am now, 10 years from now. Um, it's about having that, that forward momentum and that trajectory that takes me where I want to go and, and who I want yeah. to be. So it's, uh, it's again, that constant review of, um, is this the right place for me? Am I going the right direction? And there's some days where I realize I am not going in the right direction. I need to change course. Yeah. And so it's having that, that presence of mind to do so.
0: Yeah. I love how deliberate you are and how um, you're really focused on the the end game, as you say. Like you're really focused on where do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do? How do I want my life to, uh, to look like? Which I have this thing in, in the back of my head now that's going... A lot of the discussions I'm having with business owners and entrepreneurs um, come back to managing your health, not just your physical health, but also your mental health and how important that is for the marathon that we're running, which is basically running our businesses, but also um, life in general. So how deliberate are you around your Physical, mental health. What what is your regime? What what are your priorities? How do you how do you manage your health?
1: Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, uh, I have gotten very uh, very deliberate about uh, working out and, and exercise. So about three years ago, I started a, an exercise program that I've uh, fortunately stayed on. So I'm I'm working out five days a week, um, and so spending about an hour a day uh, every day, Monday through Friday, just really trying to be physically exhausted at the, at the end. so really giving it all I've got. Um, and then also finding with that uh, what works for me. So as, uh, as I remind my coach every day, uh, my body is uh, – I'm not the same age as him. I'm uh, twice his age. So uh, it's a matter of figuring out what is the right exercises for me and uh, what can I do that's going to make me healthier uh, and not, uh, not get injured along the way. So that's, that's part of that process as well it has to be something that it is, it is continual. It's not, um, I'm going to be done when I get to this point. Or I'll be done after so many workouts. It is a commitment mm-hmm. for life. And I didn't have that years ago. And so I realized that my health, um, again, looking at my kids, I've still, my youngest is eight, so I've got a long ways to go. Um, so being healthy for my family is, is critical. Being healthy for my business is critical. And so making that a priority, that was a huge thing for me. And yeah. really sticking with so that. So what
0: changed in- three years ago? Why did you start that three years ago?
1: Um, I think it's, for me, I was not happy. I wasn't healthy. Um, I weighed a lot. I was unhappy. I wasn't feeling physically healthy. I wasn't feeling mentally healthy. Uh, it was it was a distraction for me. And so um, uh, I, my boss at the time actually mentioned the book. And so I read the book and I that really changed my perspective on um, not what I'm going to do today or tomorrow, but where am I going to be a year from now? Mm-hmm. Uh, where am I going to be two years from now, three years from now? So looking back, I had no idea where I'd be where I am now three years ago, but um, the fact that I've, again, you know, working out five days a week is something that the me of 25 or 35 uh, or even 45 would not have said that that's reality, Uh, but it is. And so that's a big part. Um, So that's on the physical side. The mental side for me is is critical as well. Uh, Part of that exercise is um, a lot of quiet time. So doing things by myself uh, with not a lot going on in my mind. Uh, there's no no music, no podcasts. So people go and they work out and they listen to something. They're constantly consuming something. And so for me, it's very much the opposite. There is very much there are hours at a time where it is no there's no noise at all. It's me and my footsteps. Uh, so in that regard, that's a big part. And some people aren't aren't happy or comfortable with with silence and with their own thoughts. Mm. Um, but for me, I've i very much have uh, changed my perspective on that. Mm. Uh, about, uh, probably about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I started doing silent retreats. Uh, so once a year I would take a, a three day silent retreat. And that was where I learned to be very comfortable with, with silence and listening to myself. Um, so, uh, that's, that's a huge part of being able to just take a moment and look back at who you are and where you are and listen to what's going on in your brain. It really helps to, to settle things and, and have perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah that's it's so funny not funny haha but interesting you bring up those silent retreats because I've been talking to quite a few people about them I'm so intrigued by the silent in retreat concept um I'm I'm like three days of silence sounds blissful but then a lot of people say like yeah but you're also not allowed to read and write and that for me I go like yeah no no that's it but so how is that different
1: yeah, I would say everybody does it differently. So for me, when I would go on my silent retreats, I would read. Um, in fact, I would usually read three to five books because suddenly I had this time. I had the opportunity to ingest whatever it was that I wanted to. So I could be very deliberate about what I was going to read and and then take the time to process it. A lot of times we read a book and we go on to the next one. There's a lot of people that talk about, oh, I read a book a week and, and so forth. And for me, I think that would be a horrible thing uh, because... to me, there's a certain aspect of having the time to process what you have just learned. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can't put it into practice unless you have that time to really understand how it's going to change you. And so for me, um, that quiet time is, uh, I always refer to it as my defragment time. So if you think about a hard drive of of days gone by, uh, you would defragment your hard drive to put things in order so it'd be a little faster and more organized. And so for me, that's very much what my brain would do is kind of organize and get rid of the things I didn't need and reorganize the stuff that I wanted to keep and so that you know, being able to pick up those books or do those things, you know, take notes, journal, uh, write those things, really, that, all those things happen during that time. And it's a, a real gift to yourself as well as to everyone around you.
0: Yeah, it sounds amazing. It sounds so yeah. good. I
1: can't recommend it enough. I, to me, three days <laughs> is never enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, because some people do it for like nine or 14 days.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you can take retreats from, you know, 24 hours to 30 days. Uh, It's, and there are all kinds of flavors, every religion or thought or experience you're looking for, there is a retreat out there for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, let's finish it up there. Thank you so much, Andy. Um, It's been an amazing journey. Um, Thank you for sharing your thoughts and and ideas and um, your experiences. Um, anything you wish to say as a parting thought or a fav- favorite quote or anything you want to um, finish this off with?
1: Uh, I think if I could summarize it all, I don't know if this is the greatest thing to say in the world, but my the, I was talking to my daughter recently about this as she's going off to college. and uh, My advice to her was is figure out who you are, figure out who you want to be, and then plot a, a path that will get you from one to the other. And be comfortable with that journey because everybody's is different uh, your journey will pass with others but um, ultimately my greatest success is trying to understand who i am and where i want to go and and uh, enjoying the journey because it's not about the destination it's very much about the journey
0: wonderful thank you so much andy um so that's the end of our out of service live this thursday the 25th of august um andy how can people connect with you if they want to reach out
1: absolutely you can reach me at andy at blink it's B L I N K, um, or uh, catch me on linkedin as well i'm easy to find
0: yeah fabulous now this is streamed on linkedin so people can easily find you um, on linkedin so uh, thank you again don't run off and because um, so we can have a debrief after I um, I finish the the live streaming. So next week I am back with uh, another entrepreneur it's Thursday morning again um, around eight o'clock in the morning. So um, it's a it's a weekly it's a weekly thing turns into a weekly podcast. So thank you again, Andy.
1: Thank you, Ivanka. Appreciate it.